Answering Mormons Questions by Bill McKeever and Eric Johnson deals with 36 commonly asked questions by your LDS friends and neighbors. It's a great resource for Christians who want to share their faith with friends and loved ones. Be sure to pick up your copy today at your favorite Christian bookstore. Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. Hoping you're having a very pleasant Friday. Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry. With me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. We are looking at a book titled The Infant and Atonement. It was written by Tad R. Callister. It came out in the year 2000, and as we've explained in past broadcasts, I know this sounds like this is a pretty old book, but the fact is it's a very popular book, and if you were to go to Amazon.com and read some of the comments and some of the ratings that Mormons have given this book, you will see that it is one that is very much respected by many members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. The reason why we wanted to cover this book is because Mr. Callister makes it very clear, we think, that our view of the atonement, where it took place, what it gains the believer, and how is it obtained, is very much different than what Mormons are led to believe. And so far in this series, I think we've been making a pretty good case for that by merely citing what Tad Callister has to say in the book. But today we want to look at page 184. Because there's a paragraph in there that I think should bother every Latter-day Saint if words have any meaning at all. What does he say there on page 184? The Savior taught that if we do not repent, we must suffer even as he suffered. This does not mean, however, that there is no suffering if we do repent. In fact, President Kimball taught that personal suffering, quote, is a very important part of repentance. One has not begun to repent until he has suffered intensely for his sins, end quote. President Kimball then added, quote, If a person hasn't suffered, he hasn't repented. He has got to go through a change in his system whereby he suffers, and then forgiveness is a possibility, end quote. Let me stop you there, Eric, because first of all, I've heard Mormons use this expression before, and I have to be quite honest with you, I don't even understand what it means to them, or what these words mean to Tad Callister. When he says the Savior taught that if we do not repent, we must suffer even as he suffered. Now this past week, we were discussing where the atonement took place in light of Mormon doctrine. And we saw that Callister, as well as other Mormon leaders, have taught that the atonement, at least the way they're describing it now, began in the Garden of Gethsemane. And when we look at the statements made about the Garden of Gethsemane, we brought out the fact that Callister says that the physical pain of the cross alone, when compared to the accumulated pain of the garden and the cross, was as a penlight to the sun. I still can't get over that quote. Uh, I, I can't either. But think about this. When we look at the excruciating pain, and this is where that word excruciating comes from. Out of the cross. Out of the cross. Few of us can imagine anything worse than that. Well, according to what Callister says in that paragraph on page 133, the Garden of Gethsemane 
The suffering he felt in the Garden of Gethsemane was even immensely more than that. So when he says the Savior taught that if we do not repent, we must suffer even as he suffered, do many Latter-day Saints really look at the wording of that and seem to understand it as, well, at least as I'm understanding it, I hope I'm understanding his words correctly, it sounds to me that if we do not repent, we're going to go through an excruciating type of suffering that Jesus went through, both in the garden, as they teach, and on the cross. Now, first of all, to understand this, you have to also understand what true repentance is in the context of Mormonism. And this is why I'm asking that question. Do Latter-day Saints really take these words seriously? Well, we understand that true repentance, and I'm citing from Sixth President Joseph F. Smith in his book Gospel Doctrine. This is the 1986 edition, pages 100 to 101. But it was also found, this statement is also found, in the Doctrines of the Gospel Student Manual, Religion 231 and 232, page 40. So if it's in a manual, then it becomes official Mormon teaching because these manuals are correlated or approved by the First Presidency. What did Joseph F. Smith say regarding true repentance? True repentance is not only sorrow for sins and humble penitence and contrition before God, but it involves the necessity of turning away from them, a discontinuance of all evil practices and a deeds. discontinuance of all evil practices and deeds. Do you realize that if you were to practice true repentance in context of that statement, you would be getting away from every evil deed you could possibly imagine. Anything that a Mormon would consider to be sin would no longer be practiced by the Latter-day Saint. Who is doing that? And that's what D and C, Doctrine and Covenants, section 58, verses 42 through 43 says. It says, Behold, he who has repented of his sins, the same is forgiven, and I, the Lord, remember them no more. By this he may know if a man repenteth of his sins, behold, he will confess them and forsake them. And the way that verse has been explained by Latter-day Saint leaders is it's talking about all of them. It's not just talking about some. I've never heard any general authority in general conference get up and say, you only have to repent of some of your sins and everything will be fine. They just don't talk that way. Now, it's not that we don't have, as Bible-believing Christians, a doctrine of repentance. We most certainly do. But you will find that our definition of repentance does not come close to that kind of a definition of repentance. Certainly, there should be a heartfelt contrition. There should be a turning away from sin. But is it ever mandated in the New Testament that one has to be 100% successful at getting rid of all their sins, all their transgressions, never to repeat them again? Because according to Harold B. Lee, that's exactly what he said. If you are practicing true repentance, he says, that means you're turning from that which we have done wrong in the sight of the Lord and never repeating that mistake again. Spencer Kimball, in his book, The Miracle of Forgiveness, page 16, he said, And let us not suppose that in calling people to repentance, the prophets are concerned only with the more grievous sins, such as murder, adultery, stealing, and so on, nor only with those persons who have not accepted the gospel ordinances. All transgressions must be cleansed. All weaknesses must be overcome before a person can attain perfection and godhood. I asked the question, 
who is doing that? Because you would think that if a Latter-day Saint realizes that they're not doing that, then that means they are going to have to suffer even as Jesus suffered. That doesn't sound too comforting. Now, let me go on to what uh, Callister says when he cites President Kimball. He said that personal suffering is a very important part of repentance. One has not begun to repent until he has suffered intensely for his sins. Now, I got into a conversation about this with a Latter-day Saint years ago, and I remember he had brought something up like this, and I thought about it for a minute. And, and looking back over my Christian life, though I am certainly ashamed of a lot of the stupid things that I have done as a fallen human being in the past, and how many times I've had such a heartfelt contrition that even led me to tears over some of the stupid things that I have done, I have to admit, Eric, I don't find that to be a regular practice when I find myself doing stupid things now as a man of my age. I still feel bad for that stupidity, but I don't find myself going through what Kimball is explaining here, where I repent until I have suffered intensely for my sins. But Bill, you're not a Latter-day Saint. How many Latter-day Saints do you think are actually doing this? Well, I think that's a great question. How many Latter-day Saints go to church on Sunday morning with red eyes because they were pouring their heart out for all the stupid things they had done during the past week or during the past day or so? I don't even find this to be a regular practice among many Latter-day Saints, at least the ones that I have talked to. Now, maybe there are some out there that have gone through this experience on a regular basis, but I don't really find myself doing that. Now, a Mormon could easily say, oh, see, you're not really truly repentant. You don't really care. You, you're not really sorry for what you've done. No, that's not fair. That's not fair to say that. Yes, I am. And though I admit I do often abuse the doctrine of grace, as I think even Mormons abuse the doctrine of grace as they understand it. But still, I've not experienced what Kimball is saying here. He says, if a person hasn't suffered, he hasn't repented. He has got to go through a change in his system whereby he suffers, and then forgiveness is a possibility. I wonder where in the Bible or even the Book of Mormon, you could support such an idea as what is being said by President Kimball? I, I don't know. And though I'm not trying to downplay heartfelt contrition, and I'm sure a Mormon will easily latch on to what I've just said as if somehow I'm trying to make light of this doctrine. I'm not doing that. I'm just saying that I think Kimball is going to an inordinate extreme that I would venture to say even most Latter-day Saints don't experience on a regular basis, even though he seems to make it sound like it's something that's regular. But notice what he goes on to say. This suffering, intense as it may be, is nevertheless substantially less for the repentant soul than the unrepentant. But then what does Callister say after that? The Savior picks up part of the burden for those who do repent. The Savior picks up part of the burden for those who do repent. Jesus paid it part, part to him I owe. I mean, what exactly does that mean in the sense of what we as Christians have traditionally believed based on what the Bible teaches? Even though they will talk about an atonement where Jesus paid for all the sins of mankind, 
That doesn't kick in. It does not become efficacious in the life of the repentant individual until they have met their part of the bargain. Therein lies a huge difference between what Mormonism is teaching and what the New Testament is teaching. We come to Christ by faith in what he did on our behalf at the cross at Calvary and his sacrifice. His sacrifice, his act on the cross, pays our entire debt for sin. If you wanted to see an online review of the book, part of what we're following here, go to our website, mrm.org slash the infinite atonement and hyphens between the infinite atonement. Bill, I think this week what I have found is that the word atonement, though used by both Christians and Mormons alike, has a much different idea depending on which side is talking. And I think when we've looked at what Callister is saying here, this is opposite, a polar opposite of what Christianity has traditionally believed. I think you're absolutely correct, Eric. And a point that I want to leave with our listeners before we go uh, go into our weekend is when a Latter-day Saint authority, as Callister is, makes it clear that there's a huge difference between what we believe and what they believe we better take notice of that. He is making the distinction in this book, and we should not treat that lightly. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism.